0: And it's Chase and Josh, back to fantasy. It's Chase and I'm Josh, and we are here to give you episode 6 in season 3 of The Mandalorian. Here today, I went ahead and took us through episode 5 last week. Talked about all the cool shit that happened there. We talked a little bit about um, how uh, a lot of stuff is starting to uh, rear, it, rear its head. You know, we got the Moff Gideon. Turns out he wasn't on that ship. He escaped the prison hall. there. We got... The new Republic coming into play with Captain Tava starting to put pieces together. That there's stormtroopers boots down in spots. Pirates attacking places. Thinks there could be some level connection. Wants to get ahead of it. You know, you know how bureaucracy works there. So he's kind of getting some pushback. And uh, yeah, you know, we got we had the really cool action scenes of the Mandalorians helping the citizens of Navarro back uh, after the pirates kind of took over the city for a little bit. So. You know that was really fun stuff that we did last week. Now we're going to be moving into episode six this week, where we get some really interesting cameos from some people. We get some interesting stuff going on on uh, a strange planet, and you know Chase is going to be one to take us through that. But before I'll turn the uh, before he jumps into, it, I'll turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words, and then we'll get started.
1: Yeah, man, this one has some interesting appearances on this episode, so. But a lot of cool stuff to get into we're in the thick of it now we are in uh the meat of mandalorian season three man just cruising on a spaceship here so yeah let's get it going malice in the chalice man cheers my brother cheers brother okay so the episode starts off really interesting so the spaceship passes and inside this spaceship We have this alien creature in a Bakda tank type thing. And this uh, little alien walks in, feeds it a fish, and it eats the fish. And then uh, the tank goes under the floor and the alien comes out and it's the leader of this ship. And they notice an Imperial ship has approached them and is too heavy to defeat. And this massive Imperial ship is following behind them and it's commanded by a Mandalorian. And um they're tracking down the leader of this ship who is in this Bakta tank type deal. And it was Captain Shagoth. Is that how you pronounce it? Captain Shagoth
0: is the name I got there. For that alien woman, man, yeah. I don't know, brother. <laughs> that's a that's a fun that's a fun name there. So we're gonna go with that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, or we call her Pink Alien. Either one. Anyways, Captain Shagath. So uh, the other ship is actually led by a man named Axe Woven, and they have been con- commissioned to uh, take uh, commissioned by the Calamari Vicevoy, uh, because they are under the impression that Shagath has absconded with the son of the Calamari Vicevoy. And, um, what happens is, you know, he, he calls her out on it. And at first she's saying, no, she's not engaged in that, but we learn it's a bluff. And the alien son comes out and, uh, tells the Mandalorian Axe woven that they love each other. Hey man, just but real, she, real,
0: quick. It, yeah. It's ax woves. It's, it's W O V E S. It's ax woves, ax woves.
1: Oh, okay. I thought it was like woven something like knitting (laughs) axe woves anyways the leader of this mandalorian ship uh he the alien son is telling him that uh they love each other but Shagoth the pink alien says you know you just need to go get out of here and go and then the mandalorian that are working for axe woves uh take this alien son of the calamari vicevoy onto their ship and leave so uh then we have uh so this mandalorian is a this the mandalorian have this alien son on board that we learn is actually a prince Uh, then we jump over to bo-katan dinjarin and grogu arrive on the planet that axe woves uh leads on this planet uh, leads his mandalorian crew and the group notices that there's imperial droids on this planet in this independent world and they're wondering why that there's imperial droids here and then we get our first big cameo very interesting two big cameos i guess (laughs) so we get there and Like, the leader of this area, I guess he was, like, a leader... What would you call what he was? Like, his role... He was kind of like a king-captain sort of thing, and his queen there. Before I give away who
0: the cameos are. Well, it's it's weird, because he was, like, a captain that was with the Imperials first, and then he went through, like, that that amnesty program... Mm -hmm. And now he helps lead this planet called Playsier 15. And uh, I'll let you be the one to, to break the ice of who this actually is. But, yeah, it's him and the Duchess. So the, the woman is the Duchess of, of it. And, you know, he helps. They, they kind of rule together over this planet. So I'll let you go ahead and, and spill the beans on who these uh, cameo appearances are made by. Yeah, so
1: the first one... Um uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you all have ever seen the movie School of Rock, but it's Jack Black, baby. And then the other one, speaking of music, got my hair done. Check my nails, baby. How you doing? Lizzo, feeling good as hell. That is by side, baby. I don't really know why. they do. I'm imagining, quick side note here, we'll stop for a second to discuss this. They had to have paid them like a good amount of money. Like, you don't think they probably just did this out of the goodness of their soul, do you think?
0: I just, I'm just curious as to how either a, a, of these uh, key entertainers in the world today make make it into the Star Wars universe. I think, I honestly think it was probably for the entertainment value and just because it'd be funny. Because honestly, they are both very comical individuals, like Jack Black's a comedian, Lizzo's fun, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to it, other than the fact that, like, eh, let's just throw this out there, let's have a good time, I don't know. Yeah, I'll take it, and just for the sake of this pod, I just kept calling them Jack
1: Black and Lizzo, but I'll let Jay Nelly correct me on their actual names at some point.
0: Yeah, so Jack Black is Captain Bombardier. That's like, that's his mm-hmm. name there, Captain Bombardier. And then it's just uh, She was introduced as the Duchess. I don't actually know the Duchess's name, um but the, that's like the the characters there that we are we are kind of introduced to in that way. So that's all that's it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's dive back into it. So they greet them with this big
1: like dinner, like welcome to our planet. And we learn uh, so Jack Black's character tells them that they rebuilt the planet after he worked for the empire. And, um, that's why there's actually Imperial droids that are on the planet there. And Lizzo at this point is kind of, you know, becoming a little, maybe fond, I would say of Grogu and she's like feeding him. Um, and, uh, the captain, Jack Black, says that they can't have a military because of his imperial past, and their money goes to resources. And he mentions that have, they have this problem with malfunctioning droids on the planet, and they need their help destroying these battle droids um, that are going off their procedures going on. And if they do, their planet will actually recognize Mandalore as a sovereign society. So,
0: uh, yeah, you want to comment on that there? I'm just curious as to what influence Plazier Fifteen has on the New Republic to even petition for Mandalore to be uh, ruled as a sovereign society. I don't know. To me, I just it sounds good, but what and level of influence they have? I've never heard of this planet before. It's not one that see like, in, in any of the Star Wars lore that stuck out to have some level of influence. So and that's why this just one of these weird wacky episodes just came in all of a sudden Jack Black's leading it, Lizzo's the the partner in crime and they're like, Yeah, man, we're gonna give you guys like we're gonna take up on your side and say that the Mandalore needs to be a sovereign society and you know, if I'm like Din Djarin and I'm Bo Katan, I'm like, Bro, we don't need you to do anything. You guys are just here, like <laughs> out here throwing feasts around, playing catch with my half you know species sun uh, figure i don't even know grogu over here like, i don't know man it was just it was interesting there's not much i had to comment on it it just like of all the episodes so far in the season of the mandalorian this is for sure the one that's just most out of the blue man the most just strange one for sure so i'll let you continue on i 100% agree it was very off the wall
1: and to just piggyback on what you're saying there i mean Imagine, you know, not to get into spoilers and stuff, but just for, you know, this character's uh, influence on the political realm in the galaxy. What if he was like, you know, we want to make Mandalore a sovereign state, and they were just like, no. No. <laughs> he was like, well, I did all I can do, man. Sorry. <laughs> like, they were like, like, you don't even work for the Empire anymore. Like, you're your own thing. We let you be your own thing. That's like, you know... Uh, just uh, making a game of thrones reference right uh, i guess uh, that'd be like noth telling king's landing what to do like no go fuck off <laughs> that's basically what that is <laughs> anyways back to it right so then we get another big cameo and uh, i had to remind jay nelly of this this morning so they go to take care of, like find out like what's going on with these droids that are not performing uh correctly in their code these malfunctioning droids and the guy that's the security guy is christopher lloyd the doc from back to the future man i don't know uh this was the cameo episode so uh, the doc uh, the security guy tells him that he uh if they shut down all the droids they can't just go shut down all the droids because society would collapse that's a very interesting point too because think about it in real time too like how we use computers and ai and stuff imagine today imagine if someone just decided to shut down all wi-fi or all computers or something it's very interesting uh think about that like if someone takes away something that's become a integral part of your society and how uh you know the economic system moves it technically could. Like, imagine if you just shut down all the droids, like, people would freak out probably. That was a good point.
0: Well, I honestly don't... Just because I know how this episode ends, since we saw it to, to go through it here. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that it was um, like him saying that because he really believed that. But yeah. to his point, and where the point he was actually trying to make here was not that it was more so the people of this planet had become comfortable because they haven't had to work. They, they've been able to spend their time in recreation because these droids do everything for them. There's no work to be had, and it's still a level of affluency since they, they're they're kind of following the protocols that were put into place when they were given like the independence of theirs. As long as they're following these rules and stuff, you can kind of operate on your own. Now, the citizens... You know, they they got all these droids and all these computers doing everything for them. They don't have to go to work. It's like it's like you know, I, if I didn't have to you know go to work uh, in my day job, I can just kind of sit down and do anything recreationally, whatever. And it's kind of like that. And so it, he thinks it would disrupt the the um, flow of the planet if we get rid of all these droids. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's got to go back to work. They probably have some level of anarchy in the streets. They got so comfortable and so used to doing this, and then you do a flip of a change like that without like having a plan in process, it probably would put that, that plan, it probably would go down quickly, you know, so that makes sense in in that realm, but obviously, I think we all know there's some, like, ulterior motives to, uh, to him wanting to keep the droids active, or thinking, or convincing them that they needed to keep the droids active, and I'll let you kind of continue on.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, so anyways, this guy tells him that, Dinjar and Bocatan need to go visit what's called the Ugnots, which is basically these those little alien creatures that uh, they operate on droids and make sure you know they're performing mechanically correctly up to standard. So they go down there and see the Ugnot leader, and Dinjarin tells them that there's malfunctioning droids, and originally this uh, little alien Ugnot leader is offended. Uh, and basically basically thinks he's talking down about his work. Um, and Dinjaran tells Bocatan that they see the word malfunctioning as an insult to their work. Um, but eventually the leader Ugnat gives the location of the droids and where they're located, that they can find them to inspect them for malfunctioning parts. Well, they get down to these droids, and it, this is really cool because you kind of start to see some of the droids that you saw like back in Star Wars Episode One and that sort of thing. Kind of took me back there. But Dinjarin does this a very, uh, um, I would say, a very out of the ordinary, unconventional way. He <laughs> starts kicking
0: these droids. And yeah. real quick, to kind of go back to the Ugnots for a second, I thought he made a really cool... Because uh, like I said, I, I mentioned this last week when we were talking about how The Mandalorian does a great job of pulling old characters back from earlier episodes and earlier seasons. When you're talking about these Ugnats, he ended up... Ha- he, in the very first season, had interactions with another Ugnat called Queel, who helped him in, in the past. And so he even used Queel's name to gain uh, like respect with these Ugnats so that way he, they, they know that he's had dealings with them in the past... And it helped build a level of trust. So I thought that was actually really intelligent of the writers to put that in there. And it was also a pullback from an old character. So great, great uh, little moment there. But I'll let you go ahead and and talk about this unconventional way of figuring out which droids don't work, huh? (laughs) No, excellent point. So, yeah, he kicks this droid and eventually, you know,
1: it begins to fight back. So now we know, like, there are droids that are malfunctioning. And we have the Star Wars chase again, so he, like, chases him down, eventually tackles him by diving through a glass window. But before he pin- finishes him off, you know, Bo-Katan, always wanted to save the day, shoots it down from the back, from behind. And uh, they discover on this malfunctioning droid, Bo-Katan finds a spark pad on the droid that says Resistor and it's a droid bar, and it has an address on it. I just wrote down at this moment, what the fuck? Like, so we get to this droid bar, Oh, they're farting up, it's all the droids are there, and if you look close, like, instead of beers, it was oil cans, <laughs> they were drinking, like, oil to loot them up. What'd you think of this droid bar, man? It was pretty fucking cool, but I was like, where the fuck did that go Like, where the fuck are we going here? What'd you think when we got to this droid bar?
0: I thought thought was very unique, and I thought it was cool. I honestly, as funny as it is, and off the wall, so to speak, I thought it was pretty creative that they created a bar or a hangout for droids. That you know, we can kind of get an idea of that, and that oil is what they drink instead because <laughs> that's what keeps their engines running. I wonder if very similar to there's different types of beers, if there's, like, different potencies of oil that make him feel a little buzzed up or something. I don't know, man. It was kind of cool. I actually really enjoyed it. I had no problem with it at all.
1: That was perfect. Like, you go to the bar, and you're like, do you want synthetic or full synthetic? Full synthetic's an extra tin. He's sick, though. Taking, like, oil shots, like, oil bombs. Fucking badass, dude. Anyways, uh, so uh, after they get to this bar, they go to, like, the bar droid. Uh, I didn't catch his name. Did you catch his name for the bar droid? I didn't catch his name. Nah, fuck the bar droid, dude. <laughs> Who cares, dude? <laughs> Anyways, they get there. Uh, you know, Din kind of playing, like, good cop, bad cop at first. They're starting the interrogation. But the bar droid eventually agrees to help and, like, says... Uh, Basically, you know, because they don't, they want to help because they don't want to get replaced. Because like a bad malfunctioning droid would cause the humans to want to replace them. But he says this uh, uh this nepenthe, I guess is how you say it, it patches droids and goes there uh, and pro is there to like program changes. Um, but like these programming subparticles are causing these malfunctioning droids to come from the latest patchwork of the nepenthean So now they know where it's coming from is this guy is coming in to do patchwork on droids and is causing his malfunctions. So while attempting to get the subparticles, they go to this like lab area where this employee is like looking for like the subparticles and the information. And Dinjar and Bokatan and the employee there get attacked by a droid. Then Jaren slices it with his dark saber. I feel like he only has one move. It's always like the up and down. Slices it, it's done. And then the employee says that the particles are actually nanoparticles and it has a chain title and these were requins- requisitioned by the security office which is illegal. That's our big key point here our key development. Um, and there's no record of the transaction occurring but there is a name on the report and it's the head of the security commissioner Hellgate also known as the Doc from Back to the Future so now they know where this is coming from so they head back that way Bo-Katan and Din Djarin go see the head security commissioner Hellgate and he threatens to hit the failsafe button that he's had uh, which originally he was saying don't shut down the droids and he had the button there Um, and tells them he will unleash all the droids into battle droids while Bo-Katan once again kicks ass saves the day and shoots a taser at him just like a police officer of the area not too much of a fight Stuns him and then they go take him back to Jack Black and Lizzo to answer for his crimes. So we got Jack Black Lizzo against Doc Holiday from Back to the Future, baby. Fuck it. Talk about the the ceremony of cameos right now. And uh he's there and they exile the security officer. Uh, hellgate to the moon of paraquat and they give Bokatan and Dinjaran the key to Palatar and Night Grogu. So you know they're gonna stick up, I'm assuming, and you know, stick to their word, hopefully at some point. So you got that sovereign state, but now we know everyone's in good graces over in this city. Uh and then the <laughs> really the most important part of the episode, we're here now. Uh so Bokatan goes and sees Axe Woven uh, and trying to get his aid right and um, they wind up you know he wants basically they challenge each other Uh, she challenges him to command his fleet and the two go back and forth blow for blow tackling each other jumping on each other with jet packs somersaults in the air punching and kicking each other bo grapples Axe-Woven at one point, and He shoots a flamethrower at bo but she blocks it with her laser shield and dives on top of him, but then holds a knife to his throat, uh, causing him to yield. But Axe-Woven says that they cannot follow her because she does not wield the Darksaber. Then out of nowhere, Din Djarin offers Bo-Katan the Darksaber and tells the group of the incident we talked about a few weeks ago of their previous event where uh Dinjarin he was captured on the planet and bo-katan saved him with the dark saber uh when they went to the uh when they were going to go explore that area where the cave trolls were what was it called where the cave trolls were remember with the cave trolls that planet there
0: yeah it it was man it was a planet mandalore because they're looking for the living waters to to bathe in it and get redeemed but there's just a few things i want to touch on and just really clarify uh, on this end too is that first off i want to i want to take a couple steps back to where we're talking about like commissioner hellgate who was obviously the one behind these battle droids and how he had them all—they got failsafe. That red button—if he had pressed it, they would all just attack the entire city, and that'd been a real big uh, problem to deal with. Because obviously, one droid almost took out uh, Din Djarin alone. Yeah, and needed the Bo-Katan So thankfully, that didn't go through because that'd have been crazy. But that was also really important to notate that he was the the uh, Bo-Katan labeled him as a separatist. You know, someone who almost like anarchist who did not agree with either the Empire or the New Republic. He, he even brought a, a comparison of himself to Count Dooku. He said Count Dooku was a visionary. You know, so it's, he kind of viewed himself in, in a similar realm to Count Dooku, and I thought that was really interesting. Again, pulling characters from other parts of the Star Wars universe in, into this, and I thought that was really really, really cool uh, to deal with there. Now, to fast forward to this whole like battle thing. It wasn't so much that the the issue here, not the issue, but the whole point of Dinjar handing the dark saber to her and saying that like, that um, she she didn't necessarily save him with the dark saber. He he had been defeated by this creature, and she defeated the creature with the dark saber, and because of that, like. Correlation. It's you know, very funny because I know we made this uh, before we even saw this episode. We talked about this a few weeks back, and we talked about the importance of how the, you know how Bocatan looked like she was so much more comfortable wielding the dark saber, That it was almost it's almost Elder Wand esque from Harry Potter, where yeah. you know Draco disarms this per- that disarmed Dumbledore, so the Elder Wand belonged to him, but Harry disarmed him, so it belonged him. It was very similar to that. Like yes, the. That creature defeated Din D'Jarin, but then Bocatan defeated the creature, so she is now like the rightful owner of the Dark Saber. So I definitely want to kind of put that into context a little bit.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So right where I was getting at there, uh, just like you said from the previous event that happened, uh, so that Bocatan would be the rightful owner of the Dark Saber, and Axe Woven acknowledges that the blade would belong to her and. And Din Djarin, just to sum this up, the dialogue here: Din Djarin said, "Would it not belong to her?" And Axe Woven says, "It would." And Din Djarin says, "I return this blade to the rightful owner." And then Bo-Katan turns on the dark saber and wields it as the rightful owner. And the episode ends. What takeaways did you have about that episode? I feel like we could have cut. Like, unless, just a side note here, and I'll let you give your takeaways. Unless Hellgate winds up being some antagonist in the future, I feel like we could have cut almost that entire episode out and put that ending at, like, the end of, like, another episode or something. I, I don't know. What's your
0: thoughts? It seemed kind of like a throwaway episode in a way. Or not even just throwaway, <laughs> but more of, like, an entertaining episode. Just something they put together just for viewing pleasure didn't have a whole lot to do with the plot, because the whole point of them going to that planet is that's where the other Mandalorians resided on, that the armorer from last week we were talking about gave bo the instruction to go, you know, bring that faction back so they can all come together as one people, as the Mandalorians again, and even though some would follow the way of the Children of the Watch, and some would, you know, just have the, like you mentioned, the modern way of Behaving and acting in the Mandalorian culture, that was the whole task. So to find these Mandalorian, they go to this planet where they were residing on, and that's where all this I want to say hijinks starts. Is where you know they get there to find them. They ask for an audience with the Mandalorian, there, the Duchess Lizzo, and Captain Bombardier, Jack Black. We're like, ah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll set you up, but but you gotta help us out with this droid problem. And then you know, we get this whole you know fun little episode where we got. Cameos from Back to the Future, from School of Rock, from Truth Hurts. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> it's just, I think it was more of a fun episode. But you're right. Like at the very end, that's where that is a, a high level of importance to where the the series goes. Because now Bo-Katan's the wielder of the dark saber. She's now the rightful leader of the Mandalorians, and that's I think what the, the the we needed to get to eventually. But yeah, you're right. I don't know about this whole. This whole thing on, on tier 15, I thought that was an interesting ad. I just really think it was pushed for entertainment value more than anything. That's what I thought about that portion. Now, if you ask about my takeaways as a whole for the episode, uh, he, I just don't know what role this stuff could have played. Because, I'm, I'm talking, obviously I obviously know the role for at the end, the ending part there, where the Mandalorians all kind of come together. But... Uh, like this whole planet, is this planet going to come back into play at all? I know that they mentioned, if you do this for us, we'll petition that you all can run as a sovereign society, but again, what kind of influence do they have? You know, they just kind of came out of nowhere, and I don't understand the the importance of this planet. I, like I guess I think it was just more entertainment value. I don't know how much it added to the plot line of anything. I don't know if uh, this is going to rear, rear its head again in the future. Maybe Captain Hellgate escapes from the the moon that they're going to put him in prison on for a little bit, or maybe Moff Gideon picks his ass up off that moon and makes an escape, and all of a sudden he's part of the plans for the future villains or what? I'm not saying I I think that's the case. I'm just wondering, like, how can we justify having uh, this episode be the way that it was? You know, just kind of like a fun thing that we just put together with the ending being important, at least to the plot line, so uh, like I said, I think it was very entertaining it was fun but as an episode in the series for the mandalorian i just don't know i don't get its importance outside of the last 15 minutes maybe right that, that so that's kind of my takeaway on it i enjoyed it. it it was very fun to see i just i don't know i i think we could have done gone a different route but look every i think i think there's something to be said for i think I think there is something to be said for just something enjoyable for people to watch. You know, it doesn't always. We are all most of the time stuck on trying to review and analyze and make sense of what we see on screen. That's our job, mine and yours. But I think sometimes it's cool to just let loose and just have a little bit of fun. And I think that's kind of what this episode did more than more than anything. I guess that's kind of my my takeaways as a whole. What about yours? Yeah, I mean, it was fun to watch. I don't have a problem with it. I mean,
1: it was definitely i mean i just kind of wonder like i mean i wonder if they're trying to attract more of like the younger audience to trying to like get the whole audience involved but
0: wait 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 how the hell that the younger audience jack black jack black's old I okay I, I relatively old jack black's like our era like Back to the Future's way before us. Like what? Like just with Lizzo, that's it. Like that's that's gonna be what we use to attract the younger audience. One artist, like no, I don't think that's it at all. <laughs>
1: okay, fine. Well, I mean, people that maybe don't pay attention to it as much. I guess. I mean, it was just kind of like a throwaway episode. I mean, it was fun to watch. I thought it was hilarious. Like watching the robots drink in the bar they were getting their giddy up on man (laughs) so so that was fun i just kind of like didn't really see the whole point of it like it was kind of like you know up until the last 10 minutes there was really no point i really like i mean clearly like mandalorian has a big ass budget so i think what probably happened was They had all this extra fucking money laying around. They're like, okay, we got to get some good cameos in here then. Let's go ahead and get some cameos. Like, we already wrote these episodes. We know we got a shitload of money left over. We got to use them as tax write-offs. You know what? Let's get the doc in here. You know what? Let's get Lizzo too. And then someone was like, hey, what about Jack Black? And they're like, oh, fuck yeah. Let's go ahead and get Jack Black. (laughs) Yeah, baby. That's a great idea. Now what i guess but overall it was a very fun episode there weren't really any plot holes like it was cool like they pieced it together great um you got where you're needing to go to so you know what yeah i'll give it a you know i really didn't see the point in it but judging from just a fun perspective i can give it an a i don't have a problem with it i mean was it game of thrones absolutely not (laughs) but it was cool to see i guess Oh yeah, so I mean that's really all I can say. There's nothing too deep about it, unless like,
0: dude, you know, I'll get into a debate in a minute. Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of if like I don't know if you've ever seen this movie or not, but of like Spaceballs met Star Wars. Like, yeah,
1: absolutely, hundred percent. Well, I haven't seen Spaceballs in like a really long time. The '90s throwback, man.
0: Yeah, it just, it just reminded me of something super goofy, but also put in some parts of the storyline tied in, too. So it, 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 that's what it kind of reminded me of. It, reminded, it really reminded me of the Spaceballs met Star Wars and they had an a episode baby. That, that's what this one would be to me.
1: 100% agree. Yeah, man, what debates do you have for this episode
0: here? Well, I guess the biggest thing I could kind of ask is what the fuck happened to these droids? We never got any sort of conclusion did we just keep them around that that fail safe button's still there so if anyone wants to come over and just press it that planet's fucked like we never got a conclusion yes we found out who we, we got the who out of everything yeah it was captain hellgate sick but now what like, like how do you deprogram all of these droids how do you take the the you know bad parts of them out that are programmed to attack and on top of that, how do we get this fail-safe button the hell out of reach of anybody? Anyone can just walk over there and be like, boop! And all of a sudden, that planet's under attack by these droids. Like I said, you saw what one of these battle droids did and had, gave Din Djarin a very hard time. And Din Djarin's probably a top-tier warrior in, in the galaxy, right? He's maybe not number one, but bro, probably top, like, 20 or something, you know? <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. something that's difficult. So you that's just one. You imagine six, seven, eight of these fuckers, however many uh, 15 I think it was actually that were brought in uh, uh, unregistered uh, illegally through an individual contractor which was supposed to be super fucking illegal, I was like 15 of them or something, but You imagine that, that That planet's in trouble man, that planet's in trouble but we got no resolution as to what happened to these joys so I guess my debate is like what happened to them, where do we go from here, are we just gonna kind of leave them hanging around and maybe they'll come back into play later in a bad way or do we just kind of plot hole it and move past like what what do we think man
1: that was actually the perfect debate question because i can kind of answer it with what my debate was so then i guess you'll kind of debate back with me i guess the reason they did this i'm gonna give them benefit of the doubt i guess security commission person hellgate is gonna play a big antagonist going forward he kind of has to i guess i guess you're gonna keep doc holiday on the payroll man i guess that's what you're gonna have to do Uh, otherwise jack black i mean i guess he's got some uh, coding experience and he's gonna go recode all those things where uh why mr hellgate is exiled to the planet Parkwad? i guess we're gonna go to Parkwad at some point (laughs) i have no idea why poor k makes really no sense to me i feel like this i personally feel like this episode was a big ass plot hole like they needed some filler and needed an extra episode in there (laughs) so they just wrote a whole bunch of shit now they opened up a whole can of worms which works out though because you got more content more material for the future but you raise a great point like i mean if someone hits that fucking button this planet's fucked And I don't even know who took over in the security thing. Maybe it's that girl that was working for Moff Gideon. She's going to take a spaceship over there and she's going to be working on the inside. And then Moff Gideon's got a whole bunch of fucking malfunctioning droids too. So who knows, man? I don't know. I think this planet's fucked if they keep that in the writing. But me personally, I think maybe it was a plot hole that they didn't think about. Or, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, Hellgate's going to be one hell of an antagonist going forward, and he was over there just playing kiss-ass at the very end there, where he was saying he was, I'm sorry, but they still had Exile. I think he's got he's got some tricksy and false to do on that Planet Park lot. Poor Kay. <laughs> That's what I think. That's what I think. What about you? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised if we saw Commissioner Hellgate again. I don't think... I don't think very, very seldomly I can't even think of the last production or, or work that a fun cameo was brought in and then made an integral part of the plot line. I don't think that happens too often. So um you know <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't see him making a reappearance. I think that was just more of a fun episode. It could be I just think it might just they haven't they didn't think about it. They didn't think about we need to tie up this loose end with the droids, maybe it's just something that as an audience we were just supposed to accept that, oh, they'll, they'll take care of it, we don't have to think about it again but nah, man, they, to me, I'm just like that's, that's a big whole deal, these battle droids are a pain to deal with, and you have to show, at least uh, even if you just explain, you can explain it away in one or two sentences uh, Jack Black had been like, okay, cool you know, uh, we're gonna get to work on decoding all of these battle droids now, so that way they're decommissioned with their the, the, the in, internal structure that makes the programming attack others. So like, just a quick thing of what they're going to do. We didn't even get that. We didn't even get like an explanation of the plan. You know, we just got, okay, this is Commissioner Hellgate. He was responsible. Thanks for figuring it out for us. We're going to give you the audience with the other Mandalorians now. Let everyone shake hands, smile, and we're all going to go our separate ways. So that I just think is more of a oversight as in they didn't find it that important to discuss because I don't I, I just think it was one of those just fun entertainment value episodes I don't think they really thought about it too much
1: yeah I mean I, I agree with you I think it was a big plot hole I mean I think you can spin it a certain way but yeah I mean I don't know I don't think unless Doc Holiday is really trying to I keep saying Doc Holiday. His name's the Doc. The Doc Holiday is from Tombstone. My bad, guys. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Anyways, the Doc, the Back to the Future guy, not Doc Holliday from Tombstone. So forgive me on that one, whoever he is. I don't think he's ready to go sign a contract for the Mandalorian unless... I don't see them building time machines anytime soon, but Mandalorian, and he used to drive a DeLorean. I can see the connection. I can see where they got the idea. They were like, hey, we need a cameo. Cameo. This is the Mandalorian. He used to drive a DeLorean. He's a mad scientist. Bada-bing, bada-boom. It's happening, guys. But I think overall, it was one big-ass plot hole. So what debates did you have? Uh, any other
0: debates on that, though? No, but I want to give my takeaway on why I think that maybe some of these cameos happen. I just wonder if these uh, actors and actresses just loved Star Wars so much growing up that now that they're in a position of publicity, they reach out themselves and be like, hey, like what do I do to get in on this Mandalorian shit? This is kind of cool. And then John Fav- <laughs> John Favreau and Dave Filoni are like, well, you know what? We'll just we'll we'll sprinkle in an episode where you can come in real quick. It'd be really great. And so I think it's just these actors and actresses love Star Wars so much growing up that they want to be a piece of the. They get get into the new ones, and it's always I it always tends to be random ones, right? It's never any wildly like for example. Uh, we haven't seen Dwayne The Rock Johnson in there. We haven't seen Tom Cruise right. in there. We haven't seen Brad Pitt or like I I want to say I want to break down people by like listing of celebrities, but it's it's always these off-the-wall ones. The, I haven't thought about the doc from Back to the Future in years. I don't remember the last time I... I didn't even <laughs> recognize him as such. Chase is the one that had to tell me. I had no idea that that was the doc from Back to the Future. And then Jack Black, dude, I don't remember the last time I thought about Jack Black. Maybe Nacho Libre back in the day, dude. I don't know. <laughs> and then Lizzo. Lizzo just off-the-wall because she's not even technically an actress. She's a, a music entertainer, right? So it's just... I, I don't know. It always it's ends up being these very... uh, uh random individuals, and I think that's what makes it even more fun, is that you're getting these, these cameos from just the most off-the-wall uh, individuals, so I, I, find it, I find it very fun, and I, I enjoyed it it was an entertaining episode, it's just obviously, it's uh, not one that really coincides with the plot too strongly <laughs> that, that's on that end, but in terms of any other debates or other things I wanted to discuss as it pertained to this episode, yeah, I guess the the other thing I would talk about is the whole passing. This is just something we need to talk about, the passing of the Darksaber. Now that Bo-Katan has it and she's considered the rightful owner of it, of, of how this affects going forward, is she now just going to be considered the consensus leader? Do we think that, uh, obviously, Axe Wolves he was defeated by her and, and yielded to her, but he gave her the whole shit of, oh, you're never going to be the leader of our people because you won't challenge him for the Darksaber. And then when, he, obviously when he went to give her the, didn't Jarden went to give her the Darksaber, she's like, yeah it's well-intentioned, but it can't be like a gift. And he's like, it's not a gift. And he explains why he believes it should belong to her and sees if the other, asks if the other Mandalorian agree with him. Like, hey, is it, does it not belong to her if I was defeated and she defeated my, the, the guy that defeated me? And then they're like, yeah, I guess it works like that. And now she like holds a dark saber and like, the episode cuts out. But I guess my biggest question is now are we just we defo- all following Bo-Katan and are we going to go back to... Because I don't know how many Mandalorian were there either. It, it still doesn't seem like a ton, maybe another 20, another 30. Are we now just going to go from planet to planet searching for straggling Mandalorian individuals who could come back and be a part of... This culture they're trying to rebuild, is that what we're doing? I don't know. I, 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 are we just going to bring those back? Now she's got control of that fleet again. We're just going to bring that back to Navarro. And then we're going to start little by little rebuilding the planet Mandalore and end up moving back there. Like, where did, What does this signify going forward now that Katan is the wielder of the Darksaber?
1: Yeah, and I want to back up just a little bit there. Because about the cameos, I think you're definitely on to something. Like That had to be something... I, you know, just an example. They actually did that in Game of Thrones with Ed Sheeran. I think we talked about it in season one of the podcast at one point where uh, there was that one little scene with him and Arya Stark where she had walked up on, like, some soldiers there. And he was one of the soldiers. But that's what happened with him is that story is, like, he wrote the show and said, like, hey, I'm such a Game of Thrones fan. I want to be featured in here. So I think that has – and keep in mind, like, with Star Wars, like, following, you know, like, that's probably – you're probably on to something there. Like, with the 80s and then being older, kind of, I I like it. I like where you're going with that. Um, And I do want to say, too, like, I think that's the fun part about Star Wars is you do kind of have some of these episodes here where you can kind of just shut your mind off and go for it. Like, you don't have to think about it. And that's what makes it fun. You don't have to have, like, a really intense, like – you know, Westworld kind of thought, like what's going on with AI here and there, right? Like just kind of shut your mind off and have fun, enjoy the action scenes and embrace what's going on. Now I'll jump into your debate there. Um, I would say, I guess her role now is she's going to try to, I guess they wanted to get to that point, which I'll answer, like I'll throw a debate at you in a minute about, how they got to that point but my thought is is with this dark saber and now with the armorer making her like kind of like the lead mandalore that walks in both worlds i guess she's gonna try to go to all these different areas where mandalorian creeds are use the dark saber to kind of like have them rise up and she's gonna start this like revolution where you have this like Mandalorian sovereign state and I guess they're gonna help people and try to officially overthrow whatever was like I guess like the order or whatever is there currently that's left of
0: the Empire, I guess. I guess that's where they would go. Is that your thoughts on it? Just don't know why. Like what like uh, it's not the Mandalorians aren't the police of the galaxy, you know what I mean? The uh, they yeah. they are we, for lack of better words a lot of times like they're hired guns they're you know they're mercenaries that yeah for sure uh i mean that's not the the only thing that they do but that's a part of their 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 culture so it's like what other than the fact of the added benefit of getting the empire out of their hair and not having to worry about uh i guess they you know actually let me let me reverse my train of thought here because I do get the point of it now that I'm diving into it on this level that they probably want to eradicate the Empire because the Empire is the entity that destroyed their home planet. So if it's gonna be out of a revenge type of deal, then I can understand it. That would make a little bit more sense if, you know, they sent Smoth Gideon. And uh, the empire destroyed Mandalore and, and put them in this position where they lost most of their population. You know, they, they got massacred, and then they had to go into hiding for X amount of years. If we're gonna spin it till a, uh, we want revenge on the empire for doing that to us in our home planet, making us you know almost extinct. Then yeah, cool. I can I can get behind that. It's just more about the how and in what way are we gonna go about it. Like, are we going to are we making a search for all Remaining Mandalorians and trying to bring them together. Or are we just going to try to bring these two factions together—the ones that are cool with taking their helmet off, the ones that aren't cool with taking their helmet off—is the armor going to bring them all together and say, "This is my word, and I have spoken, and this is the way"? And is everyone going to be like, "Yeah, cool armor, you're right again"? You're like, I don't know, dude. Like, I just—I guess my biggest thing is what's the what's the next steps now? Because obviously she is recognized as the leader of the Mandalorians. She's got the dark She didn't win it uh, in a controversial way. She defeated the monster that defeated Dinjar, and so Dark Saber is hers. That was made pretty clear. It's just one of those now where, in what capacity does her leadership move forward? And Now is she going to go back, like I said, bring everyone back, bring that whole fleet back to Navarro and meet the other faction of the Mandalorians where Paz Vizsla is and the armor is and they're all going to come together and shake hands and decide that they're going to be one collective community, or is it still, I just, I don't get it, are we going to just start trying to find every single one of the Mandalorians that are left in the galaxy, or as many as we can find, and bring them back, and we're just going to rebuild the planet, and just hope that our two factions get along, even though one is stuck pretty closely to the Creed this entire time, the other one kind of does their own thing, like, What's the the benefit to either way? And is that going to start causing conflicts among it? uh, There's just a lot of questions that come about now that we are trying to join the two different uh, forms. Again, I keep using the word factions. It's the only word I can think of. The two different factions of Mandalorians together. I just don't... I don't get how they're going to coincide peacefully... When maybe I don't I, I think the children of the watch would somewhat look down on the other ones because they don't follow the way that they do and the creed that they do and so they think they're like not as not as Mandalorian as them and the other ones are like dude we're just the same as you we just aren't going to take every single word of a scripture with a grain of salt so you know I, just, I I don't know if we can come to if they all come to an agreement maybe. Maybe the armorer tells him, hey, everyone can remove your helmet now. It's all cool. But then and then, that, if that's the case, what the hell is even the point of having it like that in the first place? If we're just going to get to this point where we're like, ah, it's a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all now, guys. All good, you know? I don't know, man. It's just like, that's what I'm kind of... My biggest question is uh, with this whole thing is now that Bo-Katan is pretty much the recognized leader of all the Mandalorians, where this goes from here as it pertains to the two communities coming together. Yeah, Um,
1: I don't know. I kind of feel like, I don't know. I mean, I wonder, honestly, if this season's kind of lost its way (laughs) a little bit. Like, we say this is the way, but is it really the way? My, um, I just don't know what good it's going to do. I mean, the whole point with uh, Mandalorian is... I mean they have the different creeds that just just like you said they don't really get along i mean some go their own way they've adapted new styles it's kind of like um in in a way uh, i guess you can compare it to this i mean different like denominations of religion right like it doesn't mean like they'll all get together but here's what i'm saying as far as like i feel like the season's kind of lost their way like i feel like This would be cool if they were trying to fight, like, one big antagonist right now. But, like, right now, all they knew is Moff Gideon's escaped. Like, and we really don't have, like, any sort of real big bad at the moment. So I don't really see the point in this um, at all, honestly, right now at this very moment. I just feel like some, like, the armorer just randomly decided because she saw a mythosaur that she needs to go... Get all these factions together and tell them, "Hey, I saw a mythosaur, so I'm like your, you know, I'm I'm the one who is prophesized. I am your Azor high here. Like I'm supposed to bring the prince that bring the uh, bring the dawn. <laughs> like here we are, man. And I don't really understand what the point in that was at that moment in time. Almost like we just jumped like three seasons for no reason in a way." Um. Also, I do want to ask you a question about this. Like, I do you feel like it was a cop out? Like the way you like handed her the dark saber. Like I always thought we'd get this big showdown for some reason. Like something would happen where maybe they would turn on each other, and you get this showdown between Dinjarin and Bo-Katan. Like who's like the rightful leader of the Creed, right? And what's right, what's wrong, kind of thing. And you just like kind of like Jon Snow, you know. He was just like i don't want it and kept bringing it up but like he kind of has done that multiple times in the past and suddenly we're just deciding because a cyborg spider beat your ass out of nowhere like you're the leader of the dark saber just because she used it like okay fine but like otherwise i mean i get it like yeah the whole harry potter style but it's like a cyborg dude Like it's kind of like I felt like they wanted just to get to this point so they decided to be like okay well this is okay so we're going to be okay with it. What do you think? Do you feel like this was a cop out at all?
0: Well I wanted to get back to the one point that you had mentioned about how you think that the Mandalorian gathering was like a jump of a few seasons and you didn't understand since there's no big bad why they need to come together right now. I think that the big issue is they want to rebuild their planet they wouldn't want to they want to come back and bring mandalore to its former glory and so it would make sense in that realm they've got a place to stay right now they've got a home on navarro but the end goal is to get back there and i know that they can't do that with just 20 of them and obviously the mandalorians are stronger together and i think that so i'm not necessarily upset with the when of everything i was just kind of curious as to you know what they do now now they that they're let's just say everything goes smoothly and they're together is that they just do they just go back to their planet now and start rebuilding it do they, they start you know trying to seek revenge on the Empire I'm just kind of curious I was I was kind of curious into what was going there but to go back into the other part I don't necessarily think it was a cop-out I, I agree to the point of I would have loved it to be a real Villain, so to speak. Uh, not, I don't. Like you said, it is this strange cyborg spider with a eye. But if it was Moff Gideon or a high level ranking lieutenant of Moth Gideon's, then it would be easier to accept. In in my opinion, like I'm fine with the way they went about it, to where we don't have to see a showdown between Bo-Katan and Din Djarin fighting each other. I'm cool with that. I don't mind that. But I would have liked to see Din Djarin get defeated by. Someone important, and then she picks yeah. up the dark saber and was able to win. And in that regard, that would make more sense to why she was the rightful leader. And you know, she uses it going forward to bring all clans of the Mandalorian together. Fine with that. That's like the main thing. So I don't necessarily say it's a cop out, but I personally would like to see that um, from a more important character as opposed to this strange cyborg spider with an eye that we'll never see again likely that makes that probably <laughs> ne- doesn't have any sort of importance to the storyline of anything Star Wars related so that's the only big change I would make is that hey let's have Din Djarin lose the Darksaber to a badass that that it is important to the storyline not some fucking creature that just trapped him in a cage for a little bit you know I don't know
1: yeah no right and i feel like out of all episodes like this episode is the one you wanted to do that like we just did a whole bunch of random shit and like that's how you want it like i get it like that was a pretty cool ending like a really important ending but like on this episode like that's how you want to end it like come on man like if anything like end the fucking season on that like that would have been badass to like end the season like you're talking about probably one of the most important moments in the entire Mandalorian series. And we just threw it in after tracking down some malfunctioning robots. Like after we saw some robots getting their heyday on in the bar, like what the fuck dude? Like I was just like, it was so out of place. I was just like, like the whole acts. uh i want to make sure i say his name right axe woven wover wove something woves just wove with access Ax- woves <laughs> so at the whole axe woves thing i totally understand you know at the end you do your thing uh maybe he's like uh, i agree to help you guys in some sort of capacity maybe he like betrays you later on whatever let him agree for like the moment right but Like, dude, like, you're just going to fucking hand this shit over at the end of the episode. Like, here you go. Here's your crown. (laughs) Like, fuck off. (laughs) Like, that was, like, the end. I was just like, dude, like, like, we saved this special moment for that. Like, we've been talking about stuff like this since season two. Really, we've mentioned things like that in passing in, like, the very end is like you wondered what this thing was at the end of season one right like you know in season two like we mentioned stuff like this and like wow like this is what wow like you you saved (laughs) like we wasted the good surprise on you (laughs) like that's kind of what it was man but just my thoughts i mean maybe i'm being overcritical. i just thought there could have been a cooler way
0: to do that I don't disagree with you in terms of we could have put this ending on a more structured episode that made it super cool. I do think that the last, like I said, the last 10-15 minutes or so was was fine and like it was great and it's important, but so yeah, you, to attach it to everything that we just the, this entertaining episode was kind of out of the blue. That was that is something that we could have We could have just had an entertaining episode and just not put that in just yet. Or we could have done it before with a different episode that was more, like I said, I think structured is the best way to put it. This one just, we already said multiple times, it was a form of entertainment. So just leave the episode as entertaining. Finish it off as entertaining. Make Jack Black sing to you like some school rock stuff. I don't know. Like, say thank you to the city or say say thank you. Like, from the planet, they're saying thank you. They put on a concert and Lizzo and Jack Black sing together. You know what I mean? Like, do something fun like that and that's how the episode ends. But to switch it from that level of form of entertainment and lightheartedness to, okay, now the Mandalorians have a structured leader. That is, uh, that is input, and in that Darksaber is hers now. After all of that goofiness we just saw, it's like, what the hell? That was a little bit uh, interesting, to, to say the least. And look, I, I had heard before we started watching The uh, Mandalorian Season 3 that there, there was, it was kind of different from the first two seasons, and I never let that affect my judgment of watching it. I wanted to see it for myself, and I'm now starting to see... The, the parts that, yeah, I'm assuming, I didn't actually take a look in to see what issues people have, what parts, but I'm starting to see for myself that in my own mind, and the things I'm like, hmm, this is a little bit interesting. You know, I, I don't, and, and when I say interesting, not necessarily in a great way. I'm like, well, this, like, some things are out of place, some things aren't explained, uh, some things are left unchecked as of now, too. It's just, there's a lot going on, but there's a lot of great. There's a lot of great in this season, don't get me wrong, but there's also much more. Uh, moment there's a lot of times i had. i spent time i tend to see myself having more questions about this show than I did in the previous seasons of the mandalorian so that that's kind of how i I'll, I'll leave that there but uh yeah, man, did you have any final closing thoughts before we we wrap up for the day uh just one final closing thought do you think
1: Uh, the writers are trying to find a direction with this season where they had more of a direction in the past two seasons focusing more on Grogu's development and how he's going to be trained. And then they tried to want to learn more about the actual lore of Mandalore, which is what they wanted to do with the series overall. And they're trying to get there, but they can't necessarily find a
0: proper way to do it, so they're just kind of throwing episodes at the wall. No, because I think so far this is the only episode that's been like that. I, I think that this was supposed to be a level of entertainment. I just don't like how they piece together the entertainment with something key and something super important to just toss in at the end of an entertaining episode. I don't think they lost their direction at all. I don't think they've lost their way. I think that's a very dramatic way to think and a dramatic way to look at it. <laughs> like I just simply think that um, they are piecing things of uh, t- things together to put us where we want to be. It's just more along the lines of I don't I I want I, in my opinion they're probably trying to incorporate a little bit and it's almost like they're trying harder to do what they did naturally in the past seasons. Like you know I would say season one and season two very naturally. Were they able to, you know, kind of put cameos in, introduce characters in and out, and it almost seems seamless. Where this season, it's more, it's almost like when you know you're good at something and you you, you try hard at it. The best core, yeah. the best comparison I can put is, you know, a, a, a let's say someone who's really great at singing has a wonderful voice, and they end up getting asked to perform the national anthem at the super bowl and they just put just to just try too hard you know because they're on this really big stage i think that's almost what i I would argue it's more along those lines than that they lost their way or they're looking for a direction i just think that they have developed the reputation for incorporating all audiences the past like the, the original star wars fans people who know a little bit about it people who know nothing about it and getting them all interested they're known for that and so now at least what i felt at least in this episode specifically it's almost felt forced like they're trying too hard to do that and that's more along what i feel that's my opinion on it
1: yeah i agree with that man
0: yeah good call but yeah i guess they haven't lost this
1: is the way yet No, I would say that I—they're getting somewhere. Hopefully, I. I, This episode was fun. I'll leave it at that. It was a fun one. But with that, man, I'll let you close us out.
0: Sounds like a plan, dude. Well, guys, if this is your first time joining us here at Chasing Josh Factor Fantasy, we really do hope and you enjoyed what you heard and that you're going to stick around for a little bit. Uh, And for those who have been here since day one, thank you for continuing to be the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. We really appreciate everyone. Listening in and tuning in to these episodes, we have a lot of fun bringing them to you. So, uh, you're looking to figure out where you can find us in terms of social media where you can follow along, leave comments, and uh, just kind of stay engaged with what we do on a day to day basis outside of our weekly drops of our episodes. We are on Instagram at Official Ridiculous Patronus. We're on TikTok at Ridiculous Patronus. We have a backup Instagram at Fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Backup TikTok at Fact underscore or underscore fantasy we have a youtube page which is ridiculous patronus we have a facebook fan page Chase and josh factor fantasy we're on twitter rp factor fantasy snapchat rp factor fantasy uh, we have our own website ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com so please go ahead and give us a like subscribe follow along leave comments engage with us we really do appreciate that all the forms of engagement from our listeners now, in terms of the podcast and where you can find it, we are wherever you get your podcast. That means Apple Podcasts, that means Spotify, that means iHeartRadio, uh, our own host site Podbean, Stitcher, Acast, uh, Amazon Music. We're everywhere that you can get your podcasts. So please tune in if you haven't already, but we are out for the day because this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Back to Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off.